Keeping on top of finances is already challenging enough. And with so many financial service providers out there offering products like vehicle finance, mortgages, personal loans, savings, and more, the number of institutions consumers need to keep track of is ever-growing. Add into the mix that each provider has its own dashboard, and suddenly it becomes all too obvious why so many of us struggle to know what we're paying out each month. But there is a solution, and it's starting to gain momentum. And that is open banking. If I had a relationship across four or five different financial organizations as a consumer, I could use a service that can consolidate or aggregate my financial relationships in their application. So as a consumer, I have one application and I can view all my banking relationships. And while open banking sounds like the answer to many consumers' prayers, it's also a pretty big deal for regional banks, too. So you've got the ability to now say, I can compete with anybody. It doesn't matter my size. So as a bank, I could say, I want to expand my distribution channel throughout the country. So they do that through a third party and offer the same banking services that those larger banks can offer. And they can do it all through this API ecosystem. This is Financial Futures, the podcast that charts the frontiers of fintech innovation. In this series, we'll be discussing the advances that are modernizing regional banking, bringing cutting edge tech to institutions and customers alike. I'm your host, Erin Dangler. And in today's show, we'll be learning all about how open banking is helping regional banks to compete with the nationals and providing customers visibility across all their financial activity. We'll explore what open banking is and examine the technology that's made it possible. We'll find out how open banking is improving competition and encouraging innovation. And we'll discover what it is about open banking that makes the technology so safe. And to help us on our journey today, We'll be speaking with FIS's Business Unit Manager for APIs and Integration Services, Eric Guyon. So, before we find out just how open banking will revolutionize financial management for consumers and level the playing field for regional banks, we first need to find out what it actually is. It is good to start with the definition, by the way, because open banking means different things to different people. If we look at it historically, some would say open banking is new to the market. Actually, it's not. If we go back to account aggregation services brought by Intuit or Microsoft, it was used to consolidate an individual consumer's banking relationships across multiple banks. Very difficult. It wasn't a straightforward integration. wasn't the most elegant solution. And it wasn't called open banking at the time. But that is actually one of the, the pillars of open banking, if you will, that it, it's providing a consumer the ability to view their banking relationships in a manner and fashion that they want to. They may have relationships with five or six banks. They want to see it all through one mobile app. So how far back does it go? Because I was under the impression that it was a relatively new concept. I think some of the initials were in the 90s. Again, it wasn't open banking. It wasn't widely adopted because it was very difficult. It wasn't 
easy to get that type of consolidated information for the consumer. So as consumers have been known to do, they don't adopt it. And the technology really is what stood in the way of the adoption in my mind. So what's relatively new now, Aaron, is with the advance of APIs and better internet security, we are now able to meet that customer's demand through more secure, more elegant manners. So what does it allow individuals and institutions to do? So an individual, as I said, if I wanted to, if I had a relationship across four or five different financial organizations as a consumer, I could use a service. And you'll see these from Mint, Plaid, MX Yodely. There's many in the industry today that can consolidate or aggregate my financial relationships in their application. So as a consumer, I have one application and I can view all my banking relationships. So that's from a consumer's perspective. Another part is then from the bank's perspective is as opposed to allowing Plaid to do that, what I could do as a financial organization is I could just directly allow my customers access to their accounting and financial information through an API in this case. At this point, is really more being applied by commercial customers that would have a need, for example, to connect their ERP systems to their banking data, their commercial loan data. So it's customer-driven and really about control. The consumer controls their data, when they access it, how they access it, and what they do with it. And so what are some everyday uses that customers are taking advantage of, or maybe not taking advantage of enough? If I go back to that corporate client that is looking at what deposits have been made throughout the day, remote deposit capture, it's an automated way to make deposits into a checking account. But the cash management, the treasury management in a large company may say, where are those deposits? As opposed to calling the bank, as opposed to waiting for the end of day, the bank can actually process those deposits immediately in real time. Commercial customer could then inquire against that and see, oh, those deposits are there and they can manage their funds as they need to intraday. So if I want to proactively manage the money that's in my commercial account, I can do that now through my own ERP tool. I don't have to say I'm going to the bank's mobile banking or my bank's digital banking application. I can do it myself. Let's talk a little bit about some of the services and competitiveness, if that's the right word to use. Does it allow customers to get better services and better rates, better products? In some ways, yes, because what a bank can do is be more creative in the services they're offering. For example, a customer could now demand in this ERP scenario, I need this from my bank. So the bank is now going to have to support that if they want to have that commercial relationship. The same applies to you or me, Aaron. So as you're looking at your banking relationships, if I can, as a bank, make this more operationally efficient, so my cost, I can reduce my cost, and Aaron needs a specific product or service in this demographic, I can create that quickly and allow you to consume it as you choose. That now makes, for the bank, my relationship with you more sticky, right? Is that you're less likely to leave and, and change accounts. However, also with an open banking environment, it would be easier for you to change bank accounts as a consumer. You know, it is holding the banker accountable to some degree, right? To say, you need to remain competitive. You need to innovate. If you don't, then it's easier now for the consumer to pull their funds, to pull their loans. So 
it really comes down to how broad can I make this relationship with my customer? So the, the customer could look at this. If we take an aggregation type application, I could look at multiple banks' loan rates, and then I could choose which bank I could look through that. So from a consumer's perspective, it allows me choice. The bank's perspective or the financial institution mortgage, they would have the ability now to build that application expose it through open banking so that it can feed into those type of applications. You had mentioned that it really is about bringing some more competition into the field, which gives the customer more control. Like these bigger banks didn't have to work so hard to be competitive. So this is kind of bringing the smaller players into the picture. Do do I have that right? Right. It gives you the ability as, as a small, medium, regional-sized bank, community bank, you can now compete at a very broad scale because you're now going to be included in that. If you're able to offer these services in a far more efficient manner, you can compete with the much larger banks. The staffing, for example, the larger banks would have a large staff that Quite honestly, the smaller banks, they can't afford to do that. They're going to have to just take out, quote, out-of-the-box solutions and hope that meets their customers' needs. If it doesn't, customers will be quick to move. So that's where open banking and the concepts of this can help drive that efficiency down market, if you will, to the regional and you know, smaller banks and allow them to compete. The other aspect of this is actually now allowing a bank to create a new distribution channel so they could actually not compete with another bank, per se. What I'll do is I'll partner with a fintech, and I will sponsor banking services through that fintech. That's the concept of banking as a service. So it's kind of banking as a service is a use case of open banking, so that now I have a relationship with Uber. Okay, Uber is not a federally chartered financial institution. However, they've partnered with a bank, and now the size of that bank doesn't matter. That bank could be a relatively small regional community bank, but they've got a relationship, and Uber is able to use that charter to offer an actual checking account and a debit card and to process payments, do bill pay. So now Uber can expand their services, right? Uber may say, I'm pretty big. I'm not going to limit myself to one bank. So Uber may say, I want to do this banking as a service with the bank for every five states in the U.S. So now the banks now have to be competitive in bidding this service. That's the concept of open banking. If they have the infrastructure and access to those services, they can now create a new distribution channel at significantly lower cost than building a branch on every corner, as used to be the case. Open banking allows regional banks and other smaller banks to scale up digitally, rather than having to rely on developing more branches, saving them a lot of time and a lot more money. And by lending their financial expertise, capabilities, and credentials to other businesses, they're able to expand their service offerings through their partners' own channels. But as open banking becomes more prevalent, regional banks and other financial institutions will have to innovate to compete for those all-important partnerships. It's increasing the competition for banking services. So you've got the ability 
to now say, I can compete with anybody. It doesn't matter my size. So as a bank, I could say, I want to expand my distribution channel throughout the country. I'm never going to build that many branches. I'm not going to have the marketing budget to go at and compete with a, you know, Bank of America, with the Wells, with City. They'll never have that ability. So they do that through a third party and offer the same banking services that those larger banks can offer. And they can do it all through this API ecosystem. So it's very, very efficient and very effective. And to the consumer, they really don't have that much brand loyalty to say, well, it has to be this bank. If they get a better service, whether that's a rate or customer service or actual product content, that's where the consumer will be driven. And so it allows banks to be more competitive at a much larger scale. Yeah, that's so true. Brand loyalty has really, really shifted over the years. It's really, really about what can I get the most for the least amount of money, right? Right. And that's a double-edged sword of open banking. So if I make it easier for the consumer, these third-party providers to access or third-party you know, providers, whether it's an aggregator or whether it's a commercial client, if I make it easier for them to access their banking data, the other side of that, I also make it easier for them to leave because the next bank down the street offers that. Now, I could just real quickly pivot to that. I would say it's not for the faint of heart. I've said somewhat tongue-in-cheek, open banking is not easy banking. It takes a real commitment not only of philosophy, that I'm boldly going into this. Okay, I know, the, I know the risks, I know the rewards, and I'm going into this, and I'm going to invest in it, in not only technology, but also the people. The staff that, that an organization would need is much different. It's not your traditional basic business person. There really is a technology mindset to, to the successful organizations that are embracing open banking to a large degree. So you've talked about it's not for the faint of heart, and I love that sort of concept of it's a bold move and you do need to know what you're going into. Let's talk about cybersecurity, like this third-party app sounds like, oh my gosh, my data can go anywhere. Excellent question. If we look back, I started talking about this has been around for a while with the aggregators. Most of that was being done through what's called screen scraping. So in essence, I'm just watching the screen and I'm capturing your credentials and then I apply those to get the data. So the third-party application, it's looking like it's you, Aaron. And you, now you've authorized it to do this. Well, from a security standpoint, is the bank, all I see is you. I don't see that third party. But that's not very secure. That's not the appropriate approach anymore. In certain cases, it's not allowed. So you create APIs that provide open access to those type of companies. Because now there's also some U.S. regulations that a consumer has to authorize that access, right? And even with what data you share. So in screen scraping, that's really not possible because it could go too many different ways. By using APIs with internet security and encryption, that security has really been significantly increased. And it's also adhering to industry-proven, industry-accepted security protocols. So that's really a great advance that now the security is far better than it used to be. So we've been able to lock it down by the use of open APIs, 
which is really, I think, fueling a lot of the new interest in this. That's why it appears that open banking is a new thing, right? So now, because it is far more secure today than it had been with screen scraping. We talked a little bit about how regional banks are approaching open banking and it's helping them compete with the bigger banks. But how did it get started with these smaller banks? I mean, was it pandemic related? Did that add fuel to the fire of something that was already started? I think it could be a combination, both with the pandemic, all the branches of banks pretty much closed throughout the country. So now all the customer interaction was digital. So now we find gaps. What's not able to be delivered digitally in a good way? Where are my customers struggling with that? The onset of kiosk banking through open APIs, self-service banking, that took off. I think the other side of this is that the actual companies, meaning the non-banks, that needed banking services. Now, so the commercial aspect of this started driving this as well. They're not going in to talk to their banker, and their banker's not coming out to see them. So how do we manage that? Not to discount getting a car loan or a mortgage, but securing commercial loan funding is significantly different, more complex. And so to do that in a full digital world is much more difficult. And what's the physical branch structure look like, say, in a year or two? Of banking, you know, are there fewer branches? Is the staffing of branches significantly changed? Because now we're not as reliant on the physical location of a bank. I can, as a consumer, look anywhere for any service and provide access to my banking through my phone in my way at my time. Now I don't have to go to a branch. I could bank with any bank in the whole country from my desk here and get the same level of service as if I was banking with a local organization. How do banks need to change if they haven't already adopted open banking or if they're in this evolving mode of keeping up to date with open banking? And I don't know if it's different for regional banks versus bigger banks, but what are some things that they need to change? We know nobody likes change, right? I think it comes back, I think, almost to the philosophy comment I made earlier. The most important thing is, do you want to get into this? And that would be because you're in or you're out, right? If, if I'm in, then I'm in. And what does that mean? Well, that means I'm going to invest in technology. I'll say this to the financial service technology companies. We need to be in this as well. And what that all means to us is there's a good chance that our customers won't come to us for everything because we've said it's open. We'll integrate through open APIs, through a standard, and you can choose anything you want. Choose best of breed from any company, and it will come together. That keeps us on our toes. We need to be investing in the technology. We need to be investing in the actual products and services that are based on that technology. But what that means then is from the banker's perspective, they're not going to be fully reliant on us. They now have a dependency on themselves far more than they may have had in the past. And that includes the technology. And that's where I've seen a lot of larger organizations that have embraced this. They've invested in the technology themselves to manage all of the API traffic, all the open banking API services. And they're managing it themselves. And they will come to us and say, I need X, Y, and Z. For us to be honored with their business, we have to show them that we have an open architecture, that we have APIs that are in production, that are secure, that adhere to industry standards. Because the bank is then going to build that infrastructure themselves and maintain it. 
then they're able to quickly innovate with new products and services, get into new markets, serve a new customer base. So, for regional banks or any financial institution to adopt open banking, they need to get serious and understand why they want to offer it and what they want to offer. Institutions must also understand that open banking isn't a set-and-forget solution. Because once they've adopted APIs, consumers will be more easily able to compare their financial products to the competition, which means that institutions need to constantly evolve and innovate to secure their customers. And like Eric said, open banking is not easy banking. But the benefits it presents for financial institutions and customers alike make the effort worthwhile. So, what has Eric's experience been when helping organizations adopt open banking? With FIS, we have what's called Code Connect, which is an enterprise, meaning across all the FIS ecosystem for APIs. Very powerful. We invested and made a commitment that we're going to across our company for all products and services, we're going to publish open APIs in this standard environment. Just that, in the depth and breadth of FIS product offerings, to say that when a client looks at us and says, you mean everything? Yes, they're not all there maybe. We have 7,000 or so APIs today in production, but that's what we're doing. So we're opening up all the products we have to offer across banking, payments, wealth, everything. So a bank can now come in and a la carte, if you will, say, okay, that sounds good. I want these and I want it to go through this open banking world. We're able to offer that. So I think that's what would primarily draw them. The second piece is then the evaluation of just how, quote, open are you? Are you open in name only? Can I really apply this? And that's where we've worked with customers that, that do have this, what's called enterprise service bus, where they manage all their API traffic themselves and they do the integration. So what they were looking for is the ability to control that, but have us run our piece, they run their piece, and everything seamlessly works together. And so the fact that we had that in market, in production, they actually created their own custom applications for their consumers. So they weren't using our products, they weren't using another's, um, it's products and applications that the bank themselves wrote. And it's working quite well. They are running millions of API calls every month through our ecosystem. I'm not going to quote any times, but we're exceeding their service levels for response time on the APIs. What that means is their consumers, their customers, are seeing better service. Now, do their customers know it's FIS? No, they don't need to know. If we can serve our banks and provide them the technology and the infrastructure they need to succeed, that's why we're here. So what would you say to someone listening, maybe someone who's working in a bank who's thinking about going this route of adopting open banking? What are the three top things that you think they need to consider? Look at your competitiveness. Where are you looking to compete? This isn't about open banking yet. And as you look at your competitiveness, that's really the first step. Then we start looking at the technology that could be available to support that competitive posture. That's where then we start pairing up how can we go to market with that for you? The second is, I'd say, how can you innovate what you're currently doing in your business? Because open banking shouldn't just be about, I want to take my tried and true processes of how to open a new loan, and I'm just going to use APIs to do it. We can do that, and it's a good reason, 
but that's not really open banking, right? I want to take that loan and I want to innovate it. So what is that innovation that you're looking to accomplish? Maybe the innovation is I want to just allow data access to my customers. Nobody's sharing back to me my data. How am I consuming things? Can you share that information with me in a way that I can use it? Well, that means you're going to have to ask me how I want to use it. So it's not just about new products or services, but about what does the customer need? How can I innovate the customer experience? And maybe that's data-driven. Probably the third would be how can I personalize this, if possible, by customer? Whether it's a commercial customer or whether it's a retail customer, most of us are used to customized service. If I'm going to buy pretty much anything, I'm going to customize that device based on what I want. And so I'm given those options. So how can I do the same thing with banking services? Is there a way that I can customize this for individual customers? And how much of that personalization is going to be needed? Because with a lot of with open banking and with APIs, it gives me that ability to personalize things. Developer could say, Aaron has this buying behavior, and so customize this, personalize it for her, and I'll use these APIs to accomplish that. Whereas Eric's are different, and so I'll go down a different path. Although Eric and Aaron are using the exact same bank, maybe with the same front-end application, our experiences could be different. That's the things that I think you're going to improve that customer service, that customer experience. You're going to innovate your customer experience, which will make you, therefore, more competitive and more nimble. So how would somebody listening, a regional bank, say, what should they look for in choosing a partner to help them integrate open banking? To me, it's, is there real use case experience, right? Have you done this before? Where have you done this? And where have you integrated and used the open banking concepts to its fullest extent, meaning with products other than things you built? It's easy to say that I've integrated everything that I've built. Look, I've got all the products and services you'd ever need. Why would you go somewhere else? It's easy to say that. It's really not easy to do all that. And also to say, I control everything so I can integrate it myself. It's much more difficult to go to the market and say, I'm going to expose all of my APIs publicly right, to all these third parties, and tell the bank, you can craft your own solution, pull the best of breed, best of class, and integrate them together. And so I would ask that the potential partners, where have you done that? Call one of your peers and say, where have you done this with company X? What was your experience? You may not be able to get into details, but talk to your peers. I think the reference is if a company has truly done this and given the ability to go across a wide range of products and services, truly integrate in an open environment and and shown value to those customers, that's who you should evaluate. Because I think that there's easy ways to answer RFPs and RFIs to make it sound really good. But is it actually in market performing? So I'd say ask the companies you're looking at for three references up front. Just who's done that. And then do your evaluation. And then I think you'll learn more probably from those three discussions with with your peers. Then we get into the nitty gritty about the actual implementation, the costing, uh, timeframes, and everything else. But talk to your peers and see. Eric Guyon is business unit manager for APIs and integration services at FIS. That's it for today's show. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time for the season finale when we'll be exploring banking as a service 
and we'll discover how embedding banking solutions where customers need them can benefit both users and regional banks.